is Juliana McIntosh. And I'm Brad Sutton. And, and this, this is, is The Art, Art of, of Drinking. Drinking. With Join Jules. And your favorite uncle. This is the best home bartending podcast. Where you learn how to make two drinks. A classic. And a twist. Plus a little backstory on the cocktail. So you have an interesting story to tell when you serve your guests. Your home crafted masterpiece. All right, Uncle Brad, this is a very important episode. This is such a special cocktail. And for everyone listening, this is the first cocktail I ever learned how to make, courtesy of our favorite uncle, Uncle Brad. This was all you. Yeah, the sidecar. It is, (laughs) it's actually one of my favorites, but the first time I had a sidecar, uh, this is back when I was living in San Francisco. I'm out to dinner with some friends and we're at this little this bar that kind of looks swanky. My buddy goes, hey man, you got you to gotta try one of these. And he orders me a sidecar and I had a sip and I was like, whoa, I hate this. It was terrible. Super, oh no. super tart. And like, I just had instant heartburn and I had avoided the sidecar for so long Eventually, I made one, I had it the right way, and I was like, oh, well, this is, uh, this is a great drink. And listen, if history is going to tell you anything, this drink has been popular since go. So this one is, this is one to know, the sidecar. Yeah, I mean, this really was the first cocktail I ever made. I made with you during our holiday get-together in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. You showed me how to make it, and... From then on, that is really the the fire that sparked the flame. Oh, I love for it. me. Yeah, yeah. No, seriously, sidecar is a huge cocktail for me and uh, instrumental in my career. And I will tell you, Whoa. the fact that we used fresh ingredients and you showed me that you have to use fresh ingredients for this cocktail, I think, is what really also spearheaded me on my journey. This cocktail is fantastic. Cool. Yeah. It's a good one. And if you haven't had one, oh my gosh, you guys buckle up. I was doing a little cocktail class a couple of weeks ago and I taught this uh, this group how to make the sidecar. And you know, we made some other really cool drinks like the Clover Club. If you haven't had the Clover Ooh. Club, folks, and you're like, oh, I hate gin, have somebody make you a proper Clover Club. You'll be like, I didn't realize I can, I like gin. That drink yeah. is a crowd pleaser. This sidecar was a hot contender. And I love that because it's a very different drink. It's, it's a little booze forward, but it's, hey, the it's best balanced. Ones are. And like anything, <laughs> you need the balance. And Uncle Brad, we've nodded at cognac before. We've we've mm-hmm. spoke up, we've touched upon it because I don't know if we've done a, a specific cocktail that the main spirit is cognac. And for those of you listening who haven't tried cognac, this is the perfect cocktail to just start your cognac journey because cognac on its own is delicious. Yes, yes, yes. And cognac is, there's more than one brand to cognac. Mm-hmm. So let me just throw it out there. Good yes. cognac is good. So mm. if you've only been used to maybe one particular brand of cognac and you're like, yeah, I could leave it or take it. Try some of the other cognacs out there. Big, Please. big difference between cognacs. 
Uncle Brad, we know now that cognac's in the sidecar, but what mm. do we need to make the perfect and hopefully for some of you life-changing cocktail called the sidecar? All right, here we go. So, cognac, obviously. I used mm-hmm. Pierre Ferrand, which it looks like Pierre Ferrand. It's Pierre Ferrand. That's how you say it. Mm-hmm. Wonderful cognac. Cointreau or dry curacao. Both of those I find to be excellent. Both are French. Dry curacao is made by Pierre Ferrand. And mm-hmm. you can't go wrong with either one of those. Really, it, it's this drink needs one or the other. Lemon juice, fresh squeeze, of course. So you're going to want to get your lemons. You're going to need... Now, this is a little addition that I have found helps this drink out immensely. And I'm sorry to pause and elongate this section a little bit, but I want I want to just educate you a little bit. When you make a drink, and this sounds, if you've been paying attention, this sounds a lot like a sour because you've got a spirit, you've got a sweet, which is the Cointreau mm-hmm. or dry curacao, and you have got the citrus or the sour, which is mm-hmm. the lemon juice, okay? When you add a little simple syrup to this, it gives the cocktail a little more character and weight. And in this case, I'm using a rich Demerara syrup, which means it's a two to one. Mm. So go get your Demerara sugar. I truly believe, save like a few examples that when you have a drink like this, which uses a liqueur as a sweetener, you need a little simple syrup to give it just a little more body. I make a margarita, a reposado margarita, and I don't use simple syrup. It's one of the very few times I don't. Other people will add simple syrup to it. And by the way, it is a gloriously wonderful adaptation to that margarita, and it does give it a little more weight. So, Jules, I think you add simple syrup to yours. So I'm, I'm fully on board with that. I happen to like mine without it, but most drinks with liqueur, I think, yeah. need a little simple syrup. Okay. Mm-hmm. Did I make the yeah. point on the simple syrup yet? <laughs> yeah. And I think too, you know, a lot of classic recipes don't call for it. Make it how you like it. I think that you're going to have a good framework that isn't going to stray people away. And if you don't want the sugar, omit it and try it without. I, like you, I, I think it needs a little punch. So I'm with that. I'm with that. Yeah. Make it how you like it, but it's like taking a picture with your phone and then you flip a filter Mm-hmm. The, the simple syrup just—it's that filter to the right. <laughs> it just—it just, it just yeah. makes everything a little bit better, in my opinion. Sure, make it how you mm-hmm. like it. I'm telling you, you listen to me. You add simple <laughs> syrup in this drink, okay? All right. So we're going to get a, clearly some sugar, some Demerara <laughs> sugar specifically. And don't you and, dare forget it, or Uncle Brad will hunt you yeah, down. <laughs> I'm coming for you. <laughs> <laughs> and you're going to want an orange because I like to garnish this little guy with a little uh, orange mm-hmm. peel. And I also like to put a little sugar, granulated sugar, around half of the glass, only half the rim. Because if you don't want the sugar, you don't have to be, uh, you know, you don't have to sit and sip the sugar the whole time. So yeah. I like it around half the rim. Of course, mm-hmm. you're going to want to go get ice. You're going to need your citrus press. You're going to need your Y peeler. You're going to need your Boston shaker. 2818s, my favorite tin Mm -hmm. on tin, folks. Hawthorne strainer, that's the strainer with the springs, which always goes on the Boston strainer or your mixing glass. You're going to want a mesh strainer, a mesh strainer because we're going to double strain, and that's the thing that you hold over the glass. You're going to want a jigger. 
a two ounce jigger, and then you're going to want a jigger that can get you to three quarter ounce and a quarter ounce. So I mm-hmm. have two jiggers, a one ounce, two ounce, a three quarter ounce, half ounce. I love those jiggers. Then guess what kind of glass we're putting this one in, right? Who's, Ooh, who's favorite glass I, we're getting? I know because you asked that this baby is going in a coupe. Coupe, baby. Yeah, this is a coupe du jour. So get your coupe yeah. glass. Yeah, this episode is a coupe, coupe episode, all right, people? Get your coupes in your freezer while you're listening to this. Tell me, tell me what you got. All right, so we also are going to need a coupe for our sparkling sidecar. Now, this Mm. was a fun one because I call myself the CEO of Spritz Season. Well, what's a Spritz cocktail? Well, if you're asking me, it's anything that's spritzed with a little bubbles that could be Prosecco, champagne, sparkling water. So this is a spritz cocktail in my definition. And so we're making a sparkling sidecar. Now for this, we are doing the same structure as Brad, except for I'm not adding in a sweetener. Hmm. I'm adding cognac. And by the way, I use cognac de Lou. I hope I am saying that right, which I'm visiting in France. So I will Ooh, get back to you. Look at you, fancy pants. Yep. I'm going <laughs> to learn a lot about cognac. I'm very excited because I'm a little uneducated in the cognac. And so I'm, mm. I'm going to get educated and come back with some knowledge. So cognac, fresh lemon juice has to be fresh. If yeah. you can't get fresh lemon juice for this, try a different cocktail. Wait, you know, can I just I just say something? Like, do you ever, do you ever watch that thirsty whale guy? Yeah, he's the oh best. God, he cracks me up. If it's not fresh, then you're eating bugs for dinner or something. He always has something weird to every, say. After, it's different every time. Yeah, and I seriously, I love watching that guy. So yeah, yeah he's great. Right. Thirsty whale, shout out! You're amazing, and your cocktails taste fantastic. Hundred percent. So, in honor of thirsty whale, get some damn fresh lemons, okay? <laughs> If it's not fresh, your grandmother hates you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so right, moving on. Get moving some. on. Jeez Louise. Cointreau. For me, mm. it's Cointreau all day long. Yeah. I mm. am Runner. on that train all day. Now, when it comes to bubbles, this is a French cocktail for me. So if you want to go keep it French, do a little champagne. Yes. If you don't, do a little Prosecco. Both work here. Hey, you know what? Before you move on to the next thing, let's back up to Cointreau. Mm. I mean, ingredients matter here. And this isn't one where you want to put triple sec in. Okay. No. And no. I do love Grand Marnier. Mm-hmm. But I'm telling you, it's Cointreau or Dry Curacao mm-hmm. for this cocktail. Yeah. And I will tell you, I, I actually had the had the privilege of visiting France with the Cointreau team. I have not gone to their distillery, but I went to their orange field where they're doing some research. Mm-hmm. Corsica, which I think we talked about in one of the episodes. Yeah. What they're doing is beautiful and they, they're French and they care about their product. So yeah. I, I'm not going to sell you, but let me tell you, if you need quality, this is quality. So you really are paying for a good product. Mm-hmm. And I've tasted all kinds of orange liqueurs. It's my favorite. But yeah. speaking of liqueurs for this, you can also add, and I really like to add this because we're spritzing it. I added a little pear liqueur. You can also add maraschino liqueur to this Wait, instead of how'd pear. How you say it? Say it again. Maraschino. 
Aquino, oh, which Uncle yeah. Brad told me That's how to say it, right? About. <laughs> I love it. You know what? All right. I say it wrong once. You correct me. I'll never say it wrong again, or at least I'll try really hard not to. Anyway, those are the ingredients, really and truly. So then we just need ice, cocktail shaker, jigger. We're going to double strain this bad boy. I garnish with a dehydrated citrus wheel. And then we're we're just putting this bad boy in a coop. We're cooping it up today. All right? Yeah. Yeah. And again, folks, you know, I'm going to point out that if you feel like this list went a little fast or a little disjointed, <laughs> the mm-hmm. ingredients are all in the, in the description of the podcast. Yeah. You may want to look at them this episode. Uh, we we got off task, but everything we said was important. You know what's more important? How to make it? Yeah, making our cocktail. So <laughs> let's right. let's let's give the people what they want. Right, here we go. Enough chit chatting. How do we make this life changing cocktail? The sidecar. Well, I hate to tell you, but there's more chit chatting going on because this is a podcast. <laughs> but I got you. <laughs> I got you. Let's get let's get to the important stuff first. Yeah, quit talking Booze. and start shocking. All right, here we go. <laughs> How do I make it? Well, we talked about simple syrup in a rich simple syrup. So yes, we did, folks. We really you need did to make some simple syrup ahead of time, and that's a two to one ratio. When you say rich simple syrup, so that means two parts sugar to one part water. In this case, because I'm going to make more of these, I use two cups of Demerara sugar, one cup water. Hey, you're an entertainer. You have people over all the time. So you always have to have, you know. There's this couple who lives uh, nearby me and they have, I think I've maybe even talked about this before, the most epic backyard bar. So shout out to the Sherrick Shanty. Seriously, this thing needs, there's like needs to be a TV show about backyard bars and these guys need to be on it. Oh my God, we should start a show. Oh my God, totally. I'm down with that. (laughs) Want me to come to your backyard? I'm coming. We're coming. So they are like, hey, we got to build this backyard bar. We got to build a bar in your backyard. I'm like, oh, okay. So anyways, I digress. Where were we? Demerara syrup? Yeah. Syrup. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're very serious about the syrup today. Yeah. So make the Demerara syrup ahead of time, of course, because you don't want hot syrup going in your glass. And right. you're go- so how do you make the rich syrup? As I said, two to one, you're going to boil that. You're going to bring it to a boil, okay? Stirring constantly because you don't want the sugar to burn on the bottom. And once it starts boiling, you turn it down to a simmer and you simmer it for five to 10 minutes. Some people might mm-hmm. do it less. I like five to 10 minutes. That's where I kind of let it roll. Then I remove it from heat. I let it get to uh, room temperature. If you want to cool it a little bit faster, I fill my sink up with water, cold water, and I place the pot in the sink and just let the cold water Good surround idea. the pot until it kind of cools off. So mm-hmm. that kind of works cool if you want to fast track it. All right. Hopefully, you know by now, and if you don't, chill your glass. So while yeah. you're making the simple syrup, you got plenty of time to throw your glasses in the freezer. So get those glasses in the freezer and get those nice and chilled. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to juice your lemon. You want to yeah, juice that are. lemon too, you know? And, juice uh, your mother's it. lemons. Yeah. Or just... just get out of town and never come back. <laughs> That's right. I don't want to steal his <laughs> shtick, but he's so funny. So, all right. Love you, Thursday. Well. Okay, so juice yeah. that lemon. Hand squeezer. If you're just making a couple of these, I love the... The one that's like, you know, you stick it on the top. It's like, rah, 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 rah. 
That's Ooh, a yeah, great yeah, cheesecake. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So mm-hmm. we make a lot of them do that. And then you're going to take a little granulated sugar, sprinkle that on a plate. So you get all the stuff kind of done ahead of time. Then you move on to making the drink. Okay. Mm-hmm. Make the drink. You got your shaker. Big side of the shaker, you're going to put, well, well, let's start with, hey, you know what? Let's start with the cheap ingredients first. Okay? Yes. Yeah, we've been preaching Yes. This. Love that. One and a, or sorry, not one and a quarter. Just a quarter. Quarter ounce. <laughs> Jesus. Quarter ounce. <laughs> quarter yeah. ounce. Honestly, I'm glad milk. you said a quarter ounce. I wasn't sure if you were going to say a quarter or a half yeah. for this. Yeah. Uh, no, you get yeah, Really two, happy. Yeah. Diabetes, no. Uh, so, no. quarter <laughs> not ounce. Not today. <laughs> quarter ounce of rich Temerara sugar syrup. Then you're going to take three quarter ounce, 0.75, three quarter ounce of lemon juice and pour that into mm-hmm. the inside. And mm-hmm. then you're going to take three quarter ounce of Cointreau or dry curacao. I love them both. Mm-hmm. Put that in, but one or the other. Three quarter ounce of Cointreau. Okay. Two ounces of cognac. That goes in the big side. Now, on the small side, that's where I put my ice. Why? Because it kind of is the perfect size for the perfect amount of ice, in my opinion. Yeah. Okay, there you go. Put those together, shake it. And again, if you don't know by now, you need to shake the hell out of this drink. I taught this cocktail class a couple of weeks ago, and I had some people who were good shakers, and I had some people who just kind of were being polite to the ice. This is not a time to be polite. Beat up the ice. Slap them around. Yeah, you bit. had a long week. Just, yeah. you know, shake it like you mean it. All yeah. right? Yeah. You're not getting them cold. There's a purpose to the shaking. It's it's more than just getting it cold. You are aerating the drink. So shake it. And your letting anger. out your anger. Okay? <laughs> God sakes. All right. So then you're going to grab your glass from the freezer. And you're going to put the glass on the table. You're going to take a little bit of a lemon wedge. And you're going to rim half the glass. And you're going to take the half a glass that you rims, mm-hmm. and you're going to dab it in the sugar. So now you've got a half rimmed glass. Yeah, right? I like the half. And if you want to yeah. go all the way around, go for it. You can. If you want to yeah. paint the sides with the side of the lemon and just like smack that thing in, and you know you've got like a treat from Candyland, fine. Yeah. Fine. Yeah. 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 Okay. I like a half glass though, or a half rim. Yeah, half, half rim. Just, yeah. It looks a little classy and people are like, oh, fancy. Yeah. Okay, so mm-hmm. you've rimmed the glass. Now what you're going to do is you're going to take uh, your shaker, you're going to separate it, you're going to take the Hawthorne strainer, which is the strainer with the springs on it. You're going to put that over the large mm-hmm. side of this, the shaker. Hopefully all the contents are in that large side. And then you're going to pour that through a mesh strainer. So this is called double mm-hmm. straining. So you got your mesh strainer strainer over the glass, Hawthorne strainer over the big part of the shaker. Strain that little bad boy into the coupe glass. And then you're going to take your Y peeler and your orange. And you're going to take a big wide strip, a big wide strip of that orange. You're going to lay that orange peel on the table. I like to trim it up and kind of cut off the rough sides of the edges and do a little bias cut on either side of the long side of that orange peel. And now you've kind of got this long parallelogram. If you don't know what that is, look it up. And then you're going to twist that over the cocktail. And then Mm -hmm. you're going to just hang that little puppy off the side. And boom, you have got the world's greatest sidecar. And I'm not kidding. Your your garnish was pretty impressive. I can see it. And it was. I took a picture uh, and sent it to you. It's, yeah, I know. 
I uh, already posted it on Instagram. It's a delicious cocktail. I'm sorry, but if you've never had a sidecar, what are you doing? What a perfect excuse to go get the ingredients and make this cocktail. You will taste this cocktail like I did and be like, oh my God, this is why I like craft cocktails. And I can make this at home. How amazing. And that will be your go-to cocktail for a little bit. I, I promise you that. It really, it, it really will be, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, Jules. Speaking of go-to cocktails, Please. and Sidecar was my first, I spritzed this bad boy up with a little bit of uh, champagne. What can I say? So to make my cocktail, the sparkling Sidecar, all you're going to need to do is you're going to grab your shaker, Boston shaker, please. If you use a different kind, that's fine too. Measure out an ounce and a half of your favorite cognac, three quarters of an ounce of Cointreau, three quarters of an ounce of fresh lemon juice, and yes, it has to be fresh. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you can make a different cocktail at a different time because this isn't going to be it for you. So it has to be fresh lemon juice. Has to be. Then I did a half ounce of a pear liqueur. You can also use a maraschino liqueur. Just a little, make it a little, mm, a little different. Give you a little punch of something new. Then you add ice. You shake that bad boy. You're going to double strain into the chilled coupe glass that was just in your freezer. All you're going to do is just top it with your bubbles. This can be Prosecco. This can be Champagne. You don't have to top it with bubbles at all. I think it tastes delicious with the bubbles. And I recommend about two to three ounces of sparkling bubbles, not too much. You don't want it to overpower the drink. You still want to get the flavors of the sidecar. Mm -hmm. Garnish on top, it should balance perfectly on the top of the, the liquid, is a dehydrated citrus wheel. I recommend a lemon or even an orange here. A little Mm -hmm. bit bigger than the lime is beautiful. Uh, And there you go. There you have a sparkling sidecar that is refreshing and delicious and goes down far too quick that you've already finished it by the time you were done explaining how to make it, which is where I'm at. (laughs) (laughs) Uncle Brad, what you got? All right, here we go. And this one, Jules you might be surprised to know that there's some debate over the origins (laughs) of this cocktail, which I feel like is 90% of the cocktails that we talk Mm -hmm. about. Yeah, it is. Someone's upset about something and there's a fight and sometimes there's lawsuits. So bring (laughs) it on. Ooh, well, this one, this one gets even more interesting. No no fights and lawsuits, but uh, but some interesting twists and turns here. Okay, so we're talking about the sidecar. And the sidecar has origins towards the end of World War I, and it was either in London or Paris. And I will tell you, and I got to tip my hat again to the sidecar, this drink has stuck around since the end of World War I, and it's remained popular. So you know it's a good drink. It's delicious. Now, the sidecar they say, was named after the motorcycle appendage, you know, that little kind of buggy that's on the side of the motorcycle. Uh, mm -hmm. They say that that was possibly where the name came from. But another theory is, is that there's also the term that when a bartender overpours a drink and they've got too much in the shaker to fill the glass and then they fill a little shot glass, 
Mm. That's called a snag. That that's called a sidecar. I wanted to say snit because here in Minnesota, in Wisconsin, when you get a Bloody Mary, they serve you a beer with it, and people are like, "Wait, what?" Yeah, no, you get a little beer next to your Bloody Mary here in the mm. Upper Midwest, and that's called a snit. That snit next to a drink that gets over poured, it's not a beer. It's just more of the same drink. That's called a sidecar. Huh. Clear as mud. Wow. All right. Bar <laughs> terminology. Is, yeah. I get it. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Here we go. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing is, is that the sidecar was possibly inspired by the brandy crusta or crusta. And mm-hmm. that is from Nolens. And the brandy crusta is simply brandy, bitters, curacao, a little uh, gum syrup or simple syrup, and lemon juice. Okay. And what they All would right. do with that drink is they would crust the outside of the glass with sugar. Mm-hmm. Hence the term. And that was actually one of the first drinks, actually might have been the first drink to have ever used fresh citrus juice in the cocktail, mm. aside from mm-hmm. punch. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a tall tale now that I just said it out loud. All right, here we go. Claims to the sidecar. I'm going to give you three three claims to the the sidecar. Exhibit A, Pat McGarry at the Bucks Club in London. The Bucks Club was established in 1919 by Captain Herbert John Buckmaster of the (laughs) Royal Horse Guard. And it's a private gentleman's club, the Bucks Club is. And it's not a gentleman's club again like today. Like everybody keeps their clothes on there. Well, at least they should. And there's a little bit of a funny business going on in 2019. Story for another day. Uh, (laughs) This was established back in 1919 by this military man to be a less stuffy alternative to the other gentlemen's clubs that could be found on St. James Street. Mm -hmm. However... Members are selected. You don't go into the Bucks Club and say, hey, I want to be a member here, and then you apply. You're selected. So, mm-hmm. I mean, really? Not stuffy. Okay. Sounds a little <laughs> stuffy to me, but whatever. <laughs> the club built an American bar, and American bars back then were bars that you knew you could go and get a mixed cocktail in. Otherwise... Mm-hmm you'd go to a bar and you wouldn't get a mixed cocktail. It's like they said American bars and that would let everybody know like, hey, you can get a cocktail right here. This is an American bar, which also harkens back to the fact that cocktails were very American. Something that was, uh, you know, again, the cocktails were not very highly regarded in other men's clubs, but people loved their cocktails. And so people loved going to the Bucks Club. And if you ever heard of the Bucks Fizz, which is essentially a mimosa with just a little more (laughs) Prosecco or champagne in it, here you go. It was invented right here at the Bucks Club. Okay. Wow. Apparently so was the sidecar. So behind the stick was this popular so bartender. Uh, his name was Pat McGarry, and uh, he was also a former member of the military. And Pat was this big personality, and everybody loved Pat. And the Bucks Club was a very popular destination. But the evidence for the sidecar being invented there is kind of thin. It's just pretty much... Anecdotal. The only thing people say is that a friend showed up at the club in a sidecar, wanted a drink, and Pat whipped this thing up, and boom, the sidecar was born. The only other glimmer of hope that the sidecar was invented at the Bucks Club was, one, I kind of think the date, you know, being back in 1919 helps, but two, there's another bartender who mentions Pat and gives him credit Hmm. 
for that drink. We'll talk about that in a second because this brings me to exhibit B. Mm. The New York Bar in Paris, 1922. Now, this bar was established years earlier by an American jockey by the name of Ted Sloan. I'm sorry, not Ted, Todd. Todd Sloan. Todd. T-O-D. Mm-hmm. Todd. Mm-hmm. All right, so Todd really wanted to recreate the atmosphere of a New York saloon. So he had one dismantled and shipped to Paris. And his now called, quote, New York bar was a slice of Manhattan in Paris. And it was a popular destination for Parisians, American expatriates, tourists, and celebrities. And it was especially loved by our friend Ernest Hemingway. So apparently when Mm. he wasn't hanging out in Cuba at the Floridita, he loved himself some New York bar in Paris. Loved cocktails. I love that. Yeah. And other people that uh, hung out there were F. Scott Fitzgerald, Gertrude Stein, Ian Fleming, who wrote the James Bond series. And George Gershwin is said to have composed An American in Paris while he was there. Mm -hmm. If you've never heard, actually, there's no way you haven't heard An American in Paris it's one of my favorite, favorite tunes to go on in the background. It is such a great, great. And, and while you're listening to it, you can almost see Paris. Like you can just mm-hmm. see the imagery of Paris and stuff. So let me get out of this like sentimental moment here for a second. I do love <laughs> me some Paris. So Todd hires this guy by the name of Harry Macalone, and he's a Scot. And shortly after he hires Harry, Harry buys the bar and changes the name to Harry's New York Bar in Paris. You will see Harry's name mentioned a lot in a lot of cocktail lore because Harry, A, was a popular bartender. B, Harry's New York Bar in Paris or Harry's in Paris, Harry's Bar in Paris, Mm -hmm. which is what it's known as today. Very famous place. But uh, this guy, this guy wrote a lot of cocktail books, and he actually wrote about the sidecar, and gave credit to our boy Pat from the earlier story. Mm. But then later mm-hmm. takes credit for inventing the sidecar himself. So it's kind of like, mm. did he? Didn't he? Hard to know. All right. Oof. Backpedaling is never a good thing. Pain, <laughs> never a good you know. thing. He, no. he must have not have known that the internet was coming one day, right? Right, right. All right. So here we got exhibit C, the Ritz in Paris, 1923. So we went from 1919, 1922. Now we're up to 1923. Now the Ritz in Paris was, it was established in the late 1800s. And actually, I love the story of the Ritz because There was this guy who grew up in the hotel business. At the age of 15, someone's like, you're never going to make it in the business, kid. Although they probably said it with a French accent. You'll never make it in the business, kid. So Mm. this guy, like, gets out, like, he works his way through the the hotel business, says, I am going to make it, moves on to a different place because, I mean, why would you want to work for the jerk that just said that to you? (laughs) Right. And eventually... You know, gathers up enough money and establishes his own hotel. And so, if you've ever heard this, the phrase "the customer is always right," you can thank Cesar or Caesar Ritz, who was the gentleman that we're talking about. He's the guy that founded mm. the Ritz Hotel in the late 1800s. 
This hotel was the definition of luxury and attracted not just tourists, but business tycoons, celebrities, artists, even royalty. And again, among some of the more notable names, the Duke of Windsor, who actually had to be pried out of a tub because he got stuck in a tub with his lover. And um, two hotel workers had to help him out. And after that point, they made extra large tubs in all the rooms. So they ripped out all the tubs and they said, no, every room's going to have a bigger tub. So this never happens again. Crazy. George Bernard Shaw, our buddy Ernest Hemingway loved this place as well. F. Scott Fitzgerald. And then, uh, you know, a bunch of other dignitaries and whatnot. But let's talk about Frank Meyer, who wasn't a celebrity then, but had since kind of become a celebrity Mm-hmm. He was an Austrian-born, and by the way, part Jewish, which becomes important in a second. And he was hired as a bartender. And he was trained in, actually, in New York, not by the Ritz organization, but he was in New York, got trained in how to be a bartender in New York, comes back to Paris, you know, gets hired by the Ritz as the head bartender, and um, begins making drinks. Now, this guy, like Cesar was the epitome of customer service. He believed the head bartender should be on the other side of the bar, not behind the bar making Mm -hmm. drinks, but like in the bar with guests and whatnot and kind of managing the bar. In fact, when he had favorite customers that would show up, he would go greet them in the lobby of the hotel and help them with their bags up to their room. And Wow, what a guy. He Yeah, he made sure that they had the drink of their choice, which was often a sidecar because this guy made a really mean sidecar. One thing I'll tell you about the Ritz if you've never stayed at one, and I think you actually have. Um, my first experience at the Ritz was in Half Moon Bay and I go in there with my wife and then girlfriend and we sit down at the bar and we, we have a couple of drinks and Amy says to me, hey, I need to use the restroom. So she gets up and dismisses herself. I mean, not that she had to be like, Brad, excuse me, I'm leaving. I mean, that wasn't it at all. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not. So she, back. No, I'm just she starts walking away and somebody comes and greets her from the Ritz staff, walks her to the bathroom and waits for her. And then when she's done, walks her back to her chair. Insane. And I'm like, wow, I had never seen that before. And it just, it was just that extra, like you say, yeah. chef's kiss. What yep. an amazing place. All right. Mm-hmm. So Frank was very popular with the patrons and Frank made a bit of his name, a name for himself. In fact, Frank actually came out with a book later in the 1930s called The Artistry of Mixing Drinks. And he named all kinds of drinks that he made, mm-hmm. including the sidecar. But the interesting thing about Frank is that when he mentions the sidecar, he talked about the, the drinks he had invented, like the bee's knees, which is a Huge pro. Yep, this is a Frank drink. He credits himself for a lot of drinks. He doesn't credit himself for the sidecar. Hmm. Isn't that interesting? But everybody's like, no, Frank invented it. In fact, Frank invented it for an army captain who would get driven to the the, uh, hotel on a regular basis in a sidecar. And that guy would get out of the sidecar and say, geez, Frank, you know what I need over here is a a nice drink, but it's too early to drink cognac. What can I have? And Frank's like, hey. Here's a sidecar. I'm going to whip this thing up for you right now. Uh-huh. So anyways, there's a lot of kind of swirl and, and you know, mystique around Frank. I don't know if mystique's the right word. Frank seemed like quite the character. Here's an interesting story about Frank. And this is where the Jewish thing 
comes into play. Germany, by the way, I don't know if you know this, they invaded France, right? We talked about this. The Ritz Hotel is popular with tourists. It's popular with celebrities. It's also a residence, and it just became really popular with Nazi Germany. So now Nazis are living in the hotel, and a couple of like Nazi commanders, like bigwig leaders, set up shop in the hotel. Frank is Jewish, and he is mm. serving cocktails to these Nazis. And I don't think they know it, right? Because, you know, it's not like they had Ancestry.com back then. Right. And Frank becomes a spy. And he's a spy for the British government. And he is a spy for the French resistance. And he's passing notes back and forth for the resistance and for the Brits. And he even starts to like help Jewish residents of the hotel set up forged documents so the Nazis wouldn't discover that they were Jewish. And so here he is serving drinks to resistance fighters, serving drinks to British spies. He's a spy himself. He's serving drinks to Nazis. He's serving drinks to Nazi sympathizers. By the way, Coco Chanel was a sympathizer who lived in the hotel. Very interesting. I'm sure the Chanel family has since remedied their ways, but I thought that was interesting when I saw that name. Mm -hmm. He even like helped kind of pass information during an attempt on Hitler's life by two of the Nazi commanders. Wow. So this guy was kind of front and center on a lot of this stuff. However, after the war, he is telling customers, you know, that, hey, look, to pay your bill, you know, um, you need to deposit money into this account, which was his private London bank account. So he was embezzling money. (laughs) The Ritz finds out 86 is Frank. He disappears into the wind and he's never heard from again. No way. In fact, it's hard to even find mentions of Frank, you know, in Ritz lore because they're like, we don't associate with that guy, but cocktail historians do. Wow. I know. Isn't that crazy? So anyway, so that's the story of Frank. So I don't know. Who do you believe, right? I think it's a French cocktail. I think it had to have come. You know, I I think it has to be. And- I love the French. I wish I wore French. Okay. We. You know, um, yeah. I think that they hey, kind of had it going on. I love on. me some London. I mean, that's like my favorite city in Europe. Paris is a close second, sometimes first. Love the mm. French countryside. I just love it over there. Well, love it. You know, the, the French ingredients too. I mean, come on. So take that with a grain of salt and you decide. Because really <laughs> a lot of these stories are, eh, here's the history, but... We got a couple competitors, so this (laughs) is just another one of those stories. Hard to tell. Let's talk about our tip of the day, and I think that that should be bar terminology. Uncle Brad, you need to share with people what these mean, and there are three. Neat, up, on the rocks. Oh yeah. All right. Let's uh let's start with neat. So mm-hmm. neat is just the spirit and itself in a glass. Nothing's been done to it. It was poured into a glass. A whiskey mm-hmm. neat, scotch neat, rum yeah. neat. Usually neat. right like from the bottle. All that stuff is yeah, it's just in a glass. Yep. I typically expect to see it in a low ball glass or a, you know, a, a small rocks glass versus a shot glass if I ask for something neat. 
No I don't poops here. here. Sipping a little shot glass. This is I kind of have this thing about shot glasses, and we talked about. This no, a long we know time. from yeah. our setup episode. We yeah. know, yeah. Up is now you're taking neat, but before it goes in the glass, it's been stirred or it's been shaken with ice, and so it's chilled, and then it's poured into a glass, and that's called mm-hmm. up. So now mm-hmm. instead of having a warm liquor in the glass, it's a cold liquor in a glass all mm-hmm. by itself. Okay. Mm-hmm. But you can also learn a martini up. So I guess you got a little vermouth in there if you want. Right. On the rocks is on the rocks. I mean, everybody probably knows that on the rocks means ice. If you don't, that's what it means. It means ice. So if you have a drink mm-hmm. on the rocks, you're having that drink over ice. People might ask you, do you want your martini up or do you want it on the rocks? If they ask you if you want your martini neat, Kindly thank them for the question and just get up and go to another bar. Okay? So that's how that works. There you go. There's your bar terminology. Well, there you have it. Cheers, Uncle Brad. Cheers, Jules. And thank you, everyone, for listening to the show. Don't worry. We will have the photos and recipes for today's cocktails on the website, joinjules.com. And if you got questions or comments for us, hit us up on the Insta at the Art of Drinking podcast, and of course, find Jules at Join Jules or Cigars and Vino, that's me, also on the Insta. And hey, subscribe to my cocktail club on Facebook. All you'll need to do is search Join Jules Cocktail Club, and there you'll see what other cocktail enthusiasts are shaking up. This is a Red Rock Music Podcast. Don't forget, subscribe, like, and review The Art of Drinking with Join Jules and your favorite uncle wherever you get your podcasts.